Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is the 31st of May. It is 2019. It is Friday. So many things about this day. So cool in Southern California for our standards and kind of interesting. I like it this way. I'm afraid when it gets hot, it's going to get really hot. But until then, I'm going to enjoy today. But I have a ton of questions. So I'm going to get started. Hopefully, I'll make it through them. Some of them are really long. So let's go for it. First one is from the Facebook page. And it is about, it's from Leah Gill. And she says, how can we trust ourselves more? And how do we let go of control when being in control seems to be the safety when it's not really, but every time looks like it's not safe to give up control? Because the best control is actually to give up control. But the answer to that isn't a how-to, like, well, do this and then do that and then do this, because you just have to just leap into trusting yourself and one time listen to yourself and then see what that feels like. And once you see what that feels like, you can do it again, and then you do it again. There's no way to do it other than to do it. It's so hard for me because in the beginning, I used to try to tell people about how they can trust themselves. But, man, you're the only person you've got that you can do this with. You can't make other people trust you. You can't force yourself to trust other people. But you can learn to trust yourself. And the only way you can do that is to do it. There's no other way. There's no magic trick. There's no, you know, it's using your knowledge. That's something Christ said is, you know, use your knowledge. Because what happens is we we don't use the knowledge we have. We know better. We know that if we really did our best, we could trust ourselves. It's when we don't know we're doing our best that we don't trust ourselves. So do your best. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where, you know, you can't just pull yourself along and not do your best and expect the best to come out of you. It's like if I half clean the room, the room is half cleaned. It will always be half cleaned until I go back and clean the rest of it. But if I cleaned the whole room and I took care of every nook and cranny in the room, what happens? The room is clean. You go in, you could use the whole room, and you know everything that's going on in that room. You know where the dinks are in the floor. You know where it might need a little more painting. You know everything, and you accept that about the room. You may not do the painting and fix the dink or whatever, but you know where it is. Same thing with us. Just know yourself. Know your nooks and crannies. Trust that you're doing your best. 
But we can't, for the day, be mean to someone and know that that is going to hurt their feelings and still do it. Or know we're going to cause chaos and we still do it. It just doesn't make sense for us to do that to ourselves. So don't. Because the only person you're letting down ultimately is you. The players may change in your life. You may be in a different school. You may be in a different job. You may have a different partner. Your kids may move. You is you is you. Take care of you. Learn to trust yourself by trusting yourself. And we trust ourselves best when we do our best because we know what our best is. Even though we don't do it every day, we know what it is. I did want to make a note that the chat is not working. If you guys are not getting, because every day I get a new little burp with um, blog talk. Um, If you guys can't hear this broadcast, hopefully it's recording like it did yesterday. But tell me through Facebook inbox because that's the only way I'm going to know. Because yesterday I didn't know what was going on because Blog Talk changed its format. And the chat is also on my studio page. So I have to keep flipping back and forth to see the chat to know what's going on. So just let me know through Facebook and we'll go from there. So the second question um, Leah asks is, I have two questions. I think I've asked them before, but they are still on my mind if there's any time. If matter is densified energy due to low vibrational frequencies, then how come we have bodies? um, Let me see what that says. Oh, okay. Liam's saying you can hear the show. Good. Thank you, Liam. Let me see. Oh, if matter is densified energy due to low vibrational frequencies, then how come we have bodies and souls? Because once upon a time, this planet was light and souls could live here like in other realms. And then the energy got lower and lower. So did the bodies develop from our souls that were there? But then how can we be, how can we have both? And how can souls mesh if souls cannot dissolve? If we share or body, say, an unborn child or through sex or organ transplants, we still have ourselves as in our soul and energy also frequently exchanges all the time. How can we share a soul? And why did it have to be done like that? I have no idea. I don't know. If matter is densified energy due to low vibrational frequencies, then how come we have bodies and souls? We have bodies and souls. We have souls all the time. And I don't know if that's true about once upon a time this planet was light and souls could live here like in other realms. I don't know that. So I can't answer that question for you. Um, And how can souls mesh if souls cannot dissolve? I, I don't understand the question completely. But I also don't know the answer to that question because I don't know any, a lot of that to be true or not, actually. So I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, But I got the first two out of the four. So I hope that helps out. I'm not sure. Also, is free will something that only exists on Earth? I don't think so. 
But in heaven, it won't make a difference because everyone chooses the right good things anyways, question mark. Because in Origins of Truth, it sounds like that was said that Christ needed to have a choice to understand choice and free will is given when souls first enter earth. Well, free will is the reason why we're here. It's the only reason why we're here. Because without free will, we would all just know what to do. We'd all just know what to do. We'd be like little robots. But with free will, we can get angry, we can get happy, but no two people on earth are exactly the same in emotional makeup, not even twins. But free will, I don't know, you know, from what I've seen, it doesn't exist. It, it exists in terms of we're, we're a soul. If we want to come to earth, if we want to go anywhere else, we can. Once we do go back home. We decide how much we want to evolve. You know, do we want to go to a hard place like Earth? Do we want to come back? All of that. And then once we're here, we still have free will. So free will, I think, comes with being a soul. Just because things are perfect at home or absolute is really the best way for me to put it. Because we just know everything and and we, we know we can learn. But we don't hurt each other like we do here. We don't have the capacity to hurt each other like we do here. There aren't wars at home. There aren't killings and guns. And there aren't bodies to kill, actually. So you don't even have the choice. But that's it. I mean, free will is free will. It does exist here. Um, We always, our souls always have free will. It's just a, a different way when we're at home. Like what I saw when we were at home was just this absoluteness, this thirst for knowledge, this thirst for for just, um, and not a thirst like here, like a desperation. It's like we're gifted by knowledge. The more we learn, the more we feel gifted. And everything is gift, gift, gift. It's like you talk to someone, you, you sway through them, you go through them. There, we don't have bodies, but I never heard of on earth that we didn't, and then we developed bodies. I didn't hear that. I did hear about the theory of evolution, but I haven't heard that. So your first, that middle question in there is something I just, I honestly just didn't understand. So I'm sorry about that. So we have another question from Ray Ballantyne, and he says, what is the nature of consciousness and how does it relate to matter? So now we're getting back into this whole matter thing. And, and, you know, when someone wants to talk to me about physical and non-physical, other than your body and not your body, I, the rest of it is like philosophizing. So it takes, you know, rooms of people talking and exchanging ideas to really get to the bottom of those. But how does it relate to matter and consciousness? Well, matter is we're a body. Matter is property. Matter is stuff. And we can build it or break it, right? We can hurt it or not. So in our conscience, if we have the ability to want to hurt matter, that hurts all of us. Because here on earth, whether we like it or not, or we can philosophize until kingdom come or not, if you hurt somebody physically, you hurt them. Whether people say matter exists or not, they hurt your body, you're in the hospital, and you need repair. So it's, it's just a matter of 
getting these lines between philosophizing, God, real, maybes, all of that put in one room. But the bottom line is for trust, you have to learn to trust yourself and you have to take that leap of faith that you can do that. And by doing that, you have to do your best so that you do trust yourself. Because never forget, if we lie, we think everyone lies. If we cheat, we think everyone cheats. If we're good, we think most people are good. We can still see the bad. But when you work from pure intent, you can see where it doesn't exist quite easily because you know the steps it took for you to have that pure intent. So, I, you know, as far as someone who has seen Christ, and other people I know who've seen him, it's it's just like, I don't know how to say, just reality. It's this reality here on earth. It can all disappear in a minute, but it hasn't yet. So let's just look at what exists. Because otherwise, when I start thinking of, well, it could be this and it could be that and it could be, It could be a lot of things, but we see the reality that we are. And that's where I'm working from is who are you and why are you the way you are? And are you happy that way? And is there stuff you want to work out? Because if you do, there is a lightness of being while you're here. There is great feelings. There is crossovers to home. There is that reality that I know for sure because I have experienced it and I have done it and I know and I've seen it and Christ showed it to me. And when I, when I went back home, the transition from here to there was just where all the negative stays here. It cannot transfer. Only pure energy can transfer home. And that's why when we pass, when we pass from here, whatever was negative in us stays because it's not looked at as negative or not there. It's just a learning tree that we don't need when we're home. So it doesn't cross over. Only the love, love, what we call love, it's a pure energy, is the only thing that crosses over. So let me see. Now I got another question from Christopher Sedre, and he says, our understanding about the nature of consciousness and how does it interact with matter is still very deep. Yet we know now what parts of the brain are used for certain types of behavior, such as the use of language, the retrieving of mental images, or the hearing and recognizing of distant sounds. Such knowledge convinces most observers that whatever consciousness is, and however it may be, in fact, produced in the mind, it cannot be independent of a material substance such as a brain, any more than the computer software can run apart from the computer's hardware. The idea of medical, metaphysical dualism or essential independence of bodies and souls, which leads upon the religious concepts of reincarnation, rebirth, or life after death, is considered by most observers today as founded in no known facts. I think that was a statement and not a question. But I think he was answering Leah, probably way better answer than I have, um, Boy, when I don't know something, I can tell you I don't know it flat out. The the deal, the calling our brains matter or calling, you know, again, we're trying to say 
and this is just my, my gut reaction, is we're trying to say that something that actually exists and in our head doesn't exist or kind of exists or does exist, but I'm past the questions of whether stuff exists or not because I have learned that whatever it is we do in life, if we see it, it's real to us. It's real. It may not be real overall to others, but it's real to us. And if it's real to us and it's a physical thing that's actually working, I cannot say it's not there. When people say life is an illusion, well, it is. But if I see it, it's not an illusion to me. So I'm, I'm pretty straightforward on that stuff because when Christ took me around and showed me things, I saw things. I saw people, but the the kicker came in with Christ is me seeing thought. That was something I couldn't see prior to to knowing and seeing Christ. Was when I could look at someone, I saw everything. I didn't just see their physical body, but I can I was pretty close to what was going on inside, what was being held onto. That became visible to me. What else became visible to me was someone's higher self. And I used to want to tell everybody what that was. But then I reeled myself back in and and asked for permission or just learned to not keep talking because I could go on for days. And when I would hear them talk and I would see the higher self and I saw the gap between the two, I was able to say, hey, wait a minute, come back. Did you know that this is your capability? And between this and this, you could actually get there. And this is how, if you're willing to try. And a lot of times it's easier to go back into old shoes than it is to buy new ones and break them in. I figured that out as well. I see Francis said the show is running properly without chat. Great. That's just I love just knowing because yesterday I didn't know the whole time and it was just so weird. But I hope I went through those questions and, you know, I read the comments. I hope I was able to answer the the matter question as much as I can between matter and real and not real and and what it started as and all of that. Um, I hope we covered it without discounting it because I'm not discounting it. I just don't know enough about it to really give it wings. So let me go on. I have two more questions. This one is, Dear Nadia, if time, I have a question for Friday. Inside my home, my dog, Kobe, gets terrified in a storm. He pants, shakes, and needs to be at my side everywhere. In fact, at times, he almost trips me, or I sadly step on his paw. I know that they're at home and here at the same time. Many times, I notice Kobe look forward look towards my first dog Zoe's sleeping favorite spot and just stare at it as it is if he's being barked at. My question is, why, if Kobe could see home, get nervous and scared? Much love to you, Eliana. There is something about animals and loud noises. It disturbs them and their peace. They, they kind of have a certain peace. And in like situations of thunderstorms and also of um, cats in California before there's an earthquake, they disappear. 
they go and hide. And they always say, you know, if you have a cat and it disappears and it never does, and then it shows up after a few days or, you know, whatever that is. But they notice that cats disappear prior to um, earthquakes. So I don't know for sure because I know they can see but hearing and feeling are different than seeing. It's not like they know everything is okay because they can see, but hear the loudness of thunder, it does shake them up. Just like, you know, a little kid who also is very aware, but yet that's so loud and it's above them and they can't see where it's coming from. They have no way of knowing why and where that's come from and they react to the noise to that vibration it feels angry it feels scary but it is it is um also fourth of july it's it's such a shock to their system that some dogs have heart attacks or they die and a lot of people try to keep their dogs inside from that kind of noise but it is a huge disturbance to them they're very very peaceful they're very loving. They're very easy inside. But those kinds of like what feels like danger to them, because they don't think of dying or not dying because they know they can see both worlds at one time. But that level of noise and disruption is the the best way I can say of, this, of describing it because it happens on 4th of July. It even happens when the earth is shaking before we even know it's coming with cats, and I don't know about other animals, but these are ones that we get pretty regularly. They get startled by loud, loud um, noises. Other than that, they're purely instinctive, but also in their instinct, they know that that's something that could be, they get a physical reaction to, but could be dangerous. So that's probably the best way. It's like you walking on the edge of a cliff they get that same reaction. Even though you know you're okay, even though you know if you die, you're going to go by God, even though that, it's not going to be easy to be on an edge of a cliff. You're still going to get scared. And that's what happens to our pets. They're beautiful pets. They do get scared from loud noises. That's for sure. So when that happens, just give them love. Give them love. That's all we can do. And try to shield them from the noises. One way is sometimes I know in, in the West Coast, we don't have these, but in the Midwest and in the East, we have basements. And I know when we were younger, we used to go to the basements because tornadoes were a real threat. But the thunderstorms would be so loud that sometimes they'd shake our house. And I've had really bad thunderstorms, and I've been here through earthquakes. And one shakes from the top down and the other shakes from the bottom up. So, you know, even with knowing what I know in those situations, I do react because I'm like, oh, wow, you know, or whatever it is that we get that is terrifying to us because we have reactions and that's our pets, our beautiful pets. I hope that answered your question. I have another question from Susan. And she said, in case you have a space for questions tomorrow, I'd like to hear about something that has deeply disturbed me ever since living alone. Femicide. Men hunting some down to rape, batter, and kill them. I have seen so many posts in my travel groups by women and their families. 
bottom line was always they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, not being cautious enough. I myself am super cautious person and sensitive antennas, but I am human. I fail at times. I know how to protect myself, but when do I just, I have to just because I am a woman. I know I chose this body and I'm not blaming God, but I am angry to have to live by these restricting measures and in this sort of fear. It takes so much energy, energy I need in other areas of my life. To be frank, it pisses me off. Sorry I have to put it this way. I just want to live a free life beyond these stupid restrictions. Why do women have to be so much more cautious? Because we are not as physically strong as people who aren't mentally stable that can hurt us or our predators. I mean, that's been throughout time and throughout life. Really think about that. It's not just now. But a woman alone and being in a place she's not familiar with and being a tourist where people know no one will find you or know who you are is a very vulnerable position. I don't recommend women traveling by themselves and sometimes men. But men are different. They may put themselves in danger by hiking by themselves or being somewhere like that. But they are prey, too. They are prey as well. In Mexico, living in Southern California, we hear a lot of that. A lot of it isn't publicized. The Mexican government doesn't want to publicize it. Sometimes it makes the news. But they, a bunch of men will gang up on a man who's a tourist and beat him down and take his his debit card, take him to the bank, make him take money out, and, and then they'll kill him or leave him broken like that on the street. And they don't want anyone to know that's happening. It doesn't happen a ton, but it will happen. And women, they get taken in other ways because there's other things that can be done and other ways that a woman's vulnerability can be violated. So, you know, it's, these are not, it's not like, you know, you pick something that we know is a vulnerable spot. It is a vulnerable spot. And anyone who tries to convince me it isn't, it still is a vulnerable spot, whether I argue about it or not. It happens. And it's not an easy thing because, you know, you rent a room, you're by yourself. If your phone doesn't work, nobody in your family can get in touch with you. And at times your phone isn't going to work. If you need help, do you know they're 911? Are, you, are we prepared? Can we even get to our phone to do that? Because people who are predators, let's say travelers that are couples, that are going out and they're walking around and they have a visible purse that someone could grab and take. That's also putting yourself in a position of vulnerability. And so would I travel alone around the world? Probably not. Not because of fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt, but because of reality. Moving in pairs is way more helpful because now you have, you know, two set of eyes. You have a person who can go get help if you need it. You have a lot more stability. You know, if, you're, if your family can't get in touch with one, they can get in touch with the other. You can put a tracker on your phone where your family can see where you're at at all times. But 
we do in this day and age, because with technology, we have a lot more safety measures built in. If you can avoid traveling by yourself as a woman, I probably would, unless I was flying to be with a group and flying back from going on a group adventure. Um, I just wouldn't go and hike in a, another country by myself because if anything happened to me, nobody would know me or know. So there's just realistic, but that's just me and my comfort level. But everyone has a different comfort level. But know that, you know, our bodies as women are not as strong physically. We may be able to protect ourselves with some kind of weapon, but you have to know how to use that weapon so it's not used against you. And yeah, it does make people upset that women are more vulnerable. But traveling alone is just as weirdly dangerous for men as it is for women in different ways, in different ways, depending on what country you go to. So, you know, I'm not happy that we have to be cautious. You know, I have a daughter who's at that age where she needs to be cautious or a son that goes out and travels, you know, playing baseball and all of that and, you know, new towns every time. And they they move as a pack. In both instances, people don't usually bear off on their own in strange places. And there's a reason for that. And it's just, you know, knowing your environment, knowing how to navigate and knowing how to take certain precautions. It is part of life. It's part of the reality in this time of our history, more so than other times. So you guys have a great weekend. I hope I've answered your questions. I'll see you Monday morning. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.